0: As it's been mentioned already, we are entering, we begin the first Sunday of Advent. We're entering Advent season. At this uh, season, we are going uh, through, as a congregation, through the Psalms. Not all the Psalms, because we only have four weeks of Advent and Christmas. But this morning, we uh, read uh, Psalm 80. And uh, we use the verses, we read from the verses uh, 80, verses 1 through 7, and 17 through 19. So please turn with me to Psalm 80. This psalm is for the director of music to the tune of the Lilies of the Covenant of Asaph, a psalm. We begin reading at verse 1. Hear us, shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine us that, on us that we may be saved. And this chorus we'll be hearing two more times through this reading. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You fed them with the bread of tears. You've made them drink tears by the bowlful. You've made us an object of derision to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. And then we jump to verse 17. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Israel was God's flock. Israel were his sheep. Israel were God's chosen people. And yet, Israel found itself in many desperate predicaments. Israel had been in slavery in Egypt. They wandered what appeared to be aimlessly for 40 years through the wilderness. They settled in the promised land of Canaan where there were enemies and where evil and selfish leaders seemed to be in control at times. And then the northern tribes fell captive to the Assyrian nation. At which time this psalm is believed to have been written. Things were in such disarray. Israel was considered to be God's chosen people. And they were not chosen because they were so good or they were so numerous. They were chosen on account of God's grace. Deuteronomy 7 verses 6 to 8. They were chosen to be a witness to the nations. Isaiah 43.10 And here we read a psalm where the psalmist on behalf of the nation is now crying out to the Lord. They're not feeling like a chosen nation. The nations around them are mocking them. Verse 4, the Israel Israel nation, God's chosen nation is kind of a laughing stock to the rest of the nations around them. And that's not being a very good witness. And so this psalmist, Asaph, is crying. He's lamenting on behalf of the people. And this psalm is a communal lament to God. The people are crying out to their shepherd. Save your flock. God is the shepherd and the people are his sheep. But in this time period in life, the people feel like a sheep that are wandering, that are without a shepherd. And they need to be led. Sheep need leading. And they're wandering aimlessly again, so it appears, and like sheep on their own. And they would not be able to make their way back on their own. They're in desperate need of saving. They're in desperate need of leading. The people tried it on their own. And relying on themselves led to failure and disappointment and further self-destruction. Israel is in need of saving. They're crying out to God, asking God to reveal His power again. And they're remembering back in time that although they were 40 years in the wilderness, and yes, they were disobedient to God many times then too, God continued to reveal His power to them. He, as their shepherd, led them through the wilderness. He led them through the wilderness with this pillar of fire. They were led even through the dark valley of the shadow of death. He revealed Himself to them when He carried them through the wilderness. And they're reflecting back to God's faithfulness. When God was leading them through the desert, He provided them food. He provided them manna each and every day. He provided them water to drink. Water came out of the rocks. Their daily nourishment was provided for by the great shepherd. And now, they have nothing but their tears as bread. They have their tears as water. Verse 5. It seems like they're, they're only there to provide their own food, their own water, and it's coming from their own tears. And it's like they're saying to God, God, you used to be with us. But now, God must be deaf because verse 1, they call on Him to hear again. God must be sleeping because in verse 2, they call on God to awake. Awaken your might, God. This bold psalm is crying out to God, telling God to change. For him to be awakened, to become more aware of what is going on in this broken world. But God does not need to change, his people are in need of change. And then the pitiful plea that occurs in verses 4 to 7. God, we're praying to you, and you seem to be angry still. And it's not that God is angry with their prayers. God is angry in spite of their prayers. They can be praying and asking God to be with them, but God continues to be angry. And His anger will smolder against the prayers of the people. The people have not been the witnesses to the other nations, as mentioned, that God intended. Witnessing His glory. As already mentioned, they've been the laughing stock to the nations. They're being ridiculed. This is a picture of powerlessness and a period of lowness. Desperation has set in. The people of Israel are in dire straits. They're in need of being saved. Save us. Restore us. Revive us. And then we hear that refrain again that chorus. That's repeated three times in this reading. Verses 3, 7, and 19. Restore us. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. In this chorus, the plea is the same in all three times. But in each of the plea, the subject is called differently. Restore us. Oh God, make your face shine on us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us. As the psalm progresses, so does the author's passion. And there has been an increasing passion The nation is imploring God to save them, to restore them. They are crying out because these are desperate times that call for desperate measures. And is today much different from the times of ancient Israel? Are we today much different even from the Israelites? They were in need of salvation. They were crying out to God, wondering if, if He will answer their prayers, crying out to God to save them, to restore them, asking God to change, to wake up, to, to hear them. Perhaps we're not saying the same words as the psalmist out loud, but maybe our actions, our thoughts, the way we live our lives. Sometimes we might be even thinking that God is sleeping or deaf, that He's not listening. And then we try to kind of fix our own things, fix things ourselves when we can't. And maybe we're no longer crying out even to our God. Maybe we're just kind of desperately struggling on our own. These are desperate times, and we need to call out to our God. We are in this broken world with evil surrounding us, and we should be crying out to our God, Lord Jesus, save us, restore us, help us. Lord, come quickly. Make your face shine upon us. We are waiting. These are desperate times. It was Labor Day weekend, 2016. And it was a beautiful day to be at the Pinery Provincial Park. Lake Huron water was very comfortable and mostly calm. And my kids and I thought it would be a great idea to swim out to the second sandbar. Which meant that getting there, we couldn't actually touch the bottom without going underwater, so we had to swim. And they encouraged me, and I'm not a good swimmer, but I was up for the challenge you may have an idea where this is headed. And because I wasn't a good swimmer, and because I have a minor heart condition, it took more energy for me to make that swim than it would for someone else. So this little adventure to the sandbar sent my heart into what is called atrial fibrillation mode. It's not that serious. That means my heart was probably ticking about 200 beats per minute, which absolutely exhausted me. And exhaustion and swimming... Don't mix well. Yeah, so in my mind, it was like, help me, save me. But of course, my pride kept me from yelling that out loud. I had to make a decision to either turn back to shore or continue to head on towards a sandbar, which was actually closer than the shore. So I made it safely to the sandbar, probably looking like kind of fish, like a fish out of water. (laughs) but I did wonder how I was going to get back. And I figured I could probably do it on my own. But thankfully, by God's providence, there was a former lifeguard also enjoying the beautiful Lake Euron on that sandbar. And uh, she had seen this very troubled swimmer. Probably that looked anything than normal to her. So Brenda Branderhorst, (laughs) she swam towards me. And she took control and put a plan in motion. And she was going to swim me back to shore. However, there's still danger for me and for her. Because I could end up panicking, which could endanger, well, my life, but endanger her life. But her lifeguard voice kicked in. And I can't recall the exact words she used, but these are still the words that I hear today. If you start struggling, and it appears that you are going to take me down with you, I will kick you hard in the face and knock you out. (laughs) That's what I hear. (laughs) That wasn't the words. (laughs) That's what I've heard. (laughs) And I thought, like, hey, you're trying to save me from drowning, and, and in doing so, you may have to knock me out cold? You've got a deal. So we got to shore safely, and all of us were conscious. Save me, help me, restore me. We're sometimes hesitant to use these words. But desperate times calls for desperate measures. The Israelites were in desperate times. We are in desperate times. Help me, save me, restore me. And sometimes a tough love needs to kick in. Now a little more to the story. Brenda's brother Dan was also swimming back to shore with us. Now, what if I began struggling and instead of Brenda kicking me in the face, she intentionally kicked her brother Dan in the face? Now, I know that wouldn't happen. It wouldn't make sense, though, would it? But think about it. Isn't that what God has done for us? Instead of us taking the punishment... Christ took it on him. The desperate measures for us was not a swift kick to the face. It's not even pain for our own sins. But somebody else took the desperate measure for us. Jesus did. We did not receive the tough love. The tough love was received by a Savior coming to earth to live and to die for our salvation. The tough love that we should have received was taken on somebody else at the cross. Advent is a time of preparation before the celebration of the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day. Advent is typically a season of waiting and anticipation, the promise of a Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, that was promised for centuries. And then this promise was finally fulfilled. Now we're on this side of the birth of Christ. We're on this side of the cross. And we still have a promise. And we still have the waiting. We still have the anticipation for Christ's second return. Christ Jesus has physically come to the earth, but he ascended to heaven. And now we wait. And in this waiting period, there's tension because Jesus has come, but not all things have reached completion. And we're crying out to help us, to save us, to restore us. And God has shone his face upon us and we have hope and we have his promises verse 17 to 19 point us to this hope to the savior we read in those verses let your hand rest on the man at your right hand the son of man you have raised up for yourself Now, when Asaph said these words in this time period, he was referring to the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. And God raised up leaders from this small tribe. But there are messianic tones to this prayer, and this prayer is pointing us to the direction of a great leader, a savior. For Israel, one that was going to be born through the line of David. For us, one that will come again and completely restore this world and all of God's chosen people. There is hope because one day Israel will be restored from Assyrian captivity and also captivity from their sins. From our sins. Salvation will come. And we read the words in the psalm, make your face shine on us. These words... Were said centuries earlier in the time of Moses when Aaron the, was a priest. And it was said in Numbers 6, 24 to 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. These words of the priestly blessing are the words that are reminded of again in Psalm 80, three times. Words of grace, words of promise, words of hope. We often hear similar words in our times of worship. We'll hear them again at the end of the service. God made his promises and he keeps his promises. And he will shine his face upon his people. God doesn't need to be told to open his ears and to wake up and to smell the world that he made. God knows his people and he knows the hurt and the sorrow and the struggles of his people. And he also knows the sins of his people. And he sees our struggles. He sees our circumstances. He sees our sins. And he sees that we are in need of a Savior. He sees our need when we should be crying out, and even when our pride keeps us silent. God has smiled upon his people, he sent his one and only Son to this desperate earth. The dangers are still prevalent. We continue to cry out, but we have hope. And we have His promise of salvation. Because God has not turned away from us. We've turned away from God, which is admitted in verse 18, when the psalmist makes a commitment that we will not turn away from you. We are in need of repentance. God has given a plan of salvation to us. Receive in faith this amazing gift of grace. Be open to God, making himself known to you and saving you. I'm reminded of that non-biblical story of a flood. I'm sure many of you have heard this story before where a fellow was stuck on the rooftop in a flood and then he began praying to God, "To God help me, God save me. And so soon a man in a rowboat came by, and the fellow shouted to the man on the roof, jump in, I, because I can save you. And the stranded fellow shouted back, no, no, no! it's okay, I'm praying to God, he's going to save me. And so the rowboat went on, and then a motorboat came by, and the fellow in the motorboat shouted, jump in, I can save you, he said to the stranded man. And, and he, the stranded man replied, no thanks, I'm praying to God, he's going to save me, I have faith. And then the motorboat went by, and the floods kept rising, and things were getting a little more desperate. And then a helicopter came, and the pilot shouted down, "Grab the rope, and I will lift you to safety." And to this, the stranded man replied, "No thanks. I'm praying to God, and He's going to save me. I have faith." So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. And soon the water rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned. And as the story goes, he went to heaven. He finally got his chance to discuss the whole situation with God. At which point he exclaimed, I I was crying out to you, Lord, and it seemed that you didn't hear me or that you may have been sleeping. I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. And I don't understand why. And God replied, I sent you a rowboat. I sent you a motorboat. I sent you a helicopter. What more did you expect? People cry out to God. Don't take for granted the many blessings and the opportunities that he presents to us. God has sent his one and only son to save us. Receive the salvation from Jesus Christ. Have faith in Christ and live out our lives for Christ. Commit to Jesus. Confess his name, the name of Jesus. Don't turn away from Jesus. Turn your face to Jesus. And he will shine his face and his grace upon you. We're so often stubborn sheep. And yet our good shepherd continues to have such patience and grace for his flock. Thanks be to God. And together we say, Amen.